The demands on dads trying to be everything to everyone is huge. How do we prioritize kids, wife, career, health, fitness, and mental health when often one is at the cost of the other? Today, we meet Otis Bunning, who opens up about his recent battle with exactly that, which led him to a dependency on amphetamines. Otis shares the impact that had on his family and his body and how he has finally come out clean on the other side. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Be Their Dad Show. Becoming a father is one of the most rewarding yet challenging times life has to offer. One man has made it his mission to help fellow dads lead long, active lives with their kids. Here he is, your host, Miles Lundy. Otis, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you reaching out and wanting to share your story. Uh, as I'm sure we'll get into today, you've had some recent challenges with your health. And so thanks for being brave and coming on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's something that, you know, took a little while to actually accept and kind of come out and public about. But now that I feel like I have a good grasp on it, it's something that I'm excited to actually share because it's not really embarrassing. It's more, I'm more happy to kind of share my story and hopefully it'll help others uh, learn from my mistakes and things that I went through and not have to go through it as much. But I think everybody has a learning lesson here and I'm excited to be on. Fantastic. And so for the people that don't know you listening in, can you just give us a bit of a background? Who's Otis? Well, former West High Trojan, like uh, <laughs> my buddy Miles here from the States. So I live in Iowa, not Idaho, as you would say. But um, so went to high school, then I played basketball in high school and in college, finished up at Iowa, and I'm in marketing and sales. I was in hotels and hotel management for close to eight plus years where I ran a bunch of hotels and managed those and pretty hectic schedules, just a lot of stuff going on. Um, I was a fairly active person for the longest time. And then, you know, as we all say, you know, life kind of catches up a little bit. You have kids and certain priorities kind of change a little bit. And so we all kind of hit those different obstacles and we all, we all basically react to them and handle them in different ways. And so that's kind of what we all are here to talk about and kind of share with each other. Awesome, man. Yeah, great to have you on. So uh, just to get started here, what's your favorite movie from growing up? Got to give it- <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, I know, I know. Th- this, wasn't part of the, this wasn't part of the discussion. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm a big comedy guy, but I'm also, you, you're going to kill me for this, but one of my favorite movies is Titanic. <laughs> oh, man. But it's just because I'm a, do- I'm a big documentary guy. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I also, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Rocky guy. So I grew up watching Rocky movies, but when push comes to shove, I go back to like old school and comedies like that, you know, cause I'm, I have a real dry kind of, it's not really dry. I guess it's more in your face. I have diarrhea of the mouth a lot of times as people would say. So I like to say things, I, like, I basically say things that other people are thinking and just don't want to. And I just kind of say, well, you know what? Everybody's thinking it. I'm going to say it. <laughs> oh, I look forward to so, seeing what comes out today. Oh, geez. All right. <laughs> all right so, we're going, so we're going with Titanic then. I know you, you tried to pull no, it. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Pull it back to Rocky to be cool. But I think we're going with Titanic on that one. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm never, I'm never going to live that one down. Ever. Ever. <laughs> all right. Well, let's jump into things. Before we talk about um, the present, let's start with your journey through becoming a father. How did that start for you? What was life like prior to just having kids? You talked about it a little bit just in your intro there. But yeah, what was life like for you just prior to having kids? Man, life before kids was completely different. It was wake up in the morning and it's all about you. And then, you know, 
you you get the wife or you get the girlfriend and you, you move in and it's all about her a little bit, but it's majority still about just each of you living your life. You wake up, you go to work, you're basically entering into the real world out of college, just trying to get by, trying to find yourself basically. And that's a hard enough task in itself. I couldn't imagine having a kid that young in life, trying to balance, trying to be a father, but also trying to figure out who I am. But before kids, it was go to work. And then we would, after work, we would go do our own thing. My fiance or girlfriend at the time, now my wife, we would, after work, we would go work out, do our own thing. I'd go play basketball for a couple hours, you know, just about me and about her. We'd meet up about seven o'clock back at home and have dinner and, you know, watch TV for a little bit and go to bed and then repeat. And then on the weekends, it was whatever we wanted to do. It was, we want to go visit somebody. Do we want to just go hang out? Do we want to go out? A lot, of, a lot of times if we went out, we spent the next day recovering. So that was a responsible side that had to be kind of be picked up a little bit because you can't really be hung over when you're a parent. I mean, you can, but you're pretty much a shitty parent then. <laughs> so it's, uh, it definitely changed a lot. You know, we were ready. We wanted kids. We were super excited. We got married. We got a house. We did all the steps. It, you know, it was almost going too perfectly. I was like, where's the white picket fence and dog at, you know, and, we had the first kid and everything was going great. Life was busy, but we still had plenty of time because it was one kid. You know, it was, we had the, the two-on-one defense and then we had the second kid and we had to switch to man-to-man. I can't imagine having more than that happen to go to zone defense. You know, that's a sports metaphor that hopefully everybody gets, but it's one of those things where uh, once you have kids, it's just, it changes a little bit. But basically before kids, it was all about us, our agenda, what we wanted to do. Basically, we just had to work it out with each other and make sure it went well with each other. And if not, sometimes we just do it by ourselves and no harm, no foul. So Yeah, right. And what were you doing for a job at that time? Were you in the hotel stuff at that point? Or? Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't quite into the hotels then. So I was doing, I was in television sales and some account management. And then right before we got married, or, uh, yeah, it was uh, actually it was right after I, we got married. I took the job in hotels and that's, I was in hotels for pretty much eight a little over eight years so you know i don't know if anybody's familiar with hotels or hospitality but it's a very hands-on need 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 very demanding job where it's not really an eight to five job it's a come in at eight you do the the regular the regular things you know the the accounts the budgets the payroll managing staff make sure things are going right but then the real action doesn't really start until after the workday ends because that's when people actually stay in hotels. So then you have to, you're kind of on call a little bit needing to make sure things going okay. And then the weekends are very busy as well. So I was in a very unique situation where I didn't work an eight to five job for the longest time. It was, you know, come in about eight or nine work till anywhere from four to six. And then I was kind of on call. If there was a problem. And then on the weekends I was in there once or twice every weekend because I live so close so it was kind of a good thing and a bad thing at the same time because I could never really pull myself away from it. I was my own worst enemy, but I loved it at that time. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A bit of a different uh, – it's kind of like, oh, I'm a personal trainer, back being a personal trainer again. And so, you know, it's the opposite ends as well. So you're kind of bookending your yeah. day with work. You're kind of working through the morning till about midday, and then you come back at nighttime because that's, you know, again, most of have the nine-to-five jobs. And so all the, all the work and effort is going to go into outside of those hours usually. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's one of those things with kids where when they're younger, they're on a sleep schedule. So you know that you have from certain time to certain time, they're going to be awake and they're going to eat, they're going to fall asleep early. 
So you can still get things done in the evening. Whereas when you have a second kid and they get a little older, they start having their own agendas as well, where you got practices, they got friends, they got parties, they got things that they need to go to. And they're just all in out. They're just up longer. And you can't really be like, go to sleep. <laughs> Sometimes you just want them to go to sleep. But, you know, when they get a little bit older, they have their own agendas and they, they're just, they're up longer and their lives are more full, which I wouldn't trade up for the world, but it does, it does add a little more stress at times. Yeah, hundred percent. And so once you had kids then, how'd you go with managing your time? Cause I can see those hours wouldn't really work well with having like a little kid who probably sleeps during the middle of the day when you might be home for right. a part of that. And then at nighttime, obviously or closer to nighttime, if you had to go in, they'd, they'd obviously be going down to bed and you wouldn't see them again afterwards. Yeah, it became a little stressful because I would always, I was a very, I still am a big workaholic and I'm a night owl. And my problem was, is that I would drive myself into the ground where I would, I would be up all night working, catching up on things, trying to get ahead of the game. And then I would try and get home and try and calm down and go to sleep. But then I would get up with them in the mornings. Well, sooner or later, you can't burn it at both ends. And I would either crash for a day or so or just be a total pile of shit for a couple of days. And then it's, and then I look bad. Like I basically, I basically lost all the ground I was trying to gain by being super dad. So I felt like I was super dad for an X amount of time. And then I just felt like I was this piece of crap dad for a couple of days. And it, it basically erased everything that I had just worked for. And that was a continuous pattern that I just dealt with for years and years where we, it would, it would create stress in the family with the wife as well, where, you know, she would notice things and she would appreciate it, but then she would also question things like, why are you doing that? And, and then the little side comments of, you know, Hannah says that this and this, or she made a comment about this and Molly noticed this also. And it just eats at you because you feel like it's the wife digging at you, but it's really the truth, but you just, you don't want to hear it sometimes. And then you lash out at them and then you feel like you don't have anywhere to go. And then you're just, you're defense, you're, you have defense up all the time. Mm. You're just very defensive. And then you're like, I can't do anything right. So I'm just going to keep my head down and do me. And then it becomes a very selfish act. Mm. Yeah, I can, so, I can relate a bit to that, that fact that, you know, when the kids, once it's interesting, once your kids get old enough and they can start like working stuff out and then they either say something to you directly, that's an interesting comment or like, like a good observation about something like, Hmm, okay. They're, they're actually like soaking in a lot here. I didn't you know, realize that they were taking yeah. what I was doing and saying in, I had uh, I've had definitely some of that in recent times as well, because I've worked uh, three days a week at the moment. I'm working morning and night. And so my daughter, I pick up for uh, after school, which is good to be able to, you know, be at school and pick her up. And that's not something I would normally be able to do in a nine to five job, but um, I only see her for about an hour and then I have to go back to work. And so that's all I mm -hmm. get with her. And then she's commented recently that, you know, she's not, she's not really digging on that at the moment. And it just kind of hits you, hits you in the field. And it's like, well, I, you know, and I, and I say, to, I'm very practical about it. I'm like, well, you want to live in this house. You want, you want food. I, <laughs> I have to work. So I don't really, yeah. it sucks and they have to do it, but you know, I love what I do and you know, that kind of thing, but it's still like, Oh, you know, it kind of sucks when they yeah. Start. Do you really have to go to work? Can you just stay home? I'll give you my, she has like $20 saved from her birthday. <laughs> I'll give you that if you don't have to go to work or something. I'm like, oh my God, you know, just. Uh, so I went through that really big back in 2016. I took a new job and Hannah was, Hannah was not quite six at the time. And Molly was too young to really, she was upset when I was gone, but I took a job where I was, I was out of town five days a week. 
and I'd come home on Friday afternoons and I would leave Sunday evenings and I'd be out of state. And that was one of the toughest jobs, but I thought I was just getting over that hump and I was taking that next step and I was making 20 grand more than what I was in my previous occupation. And I was working myself to death, but then I would FaceTime with them and their hearts are just broken and it's just crying and just upset. And my wife's sitting there just like, all right, we'll talk to you later. And then I get home and we'll try and like be a normal family and little things like my daughter, Hannah, when she was like five or something, she just turned six. It was, she would write things down or write letters or something saying, you can't leave or, you know, I want to come with you or can we come see what you do? Or can you just stay home for this for a couple more days? And it's just, it just breaks your heart when you have to leave. And then, Sometimes I almost felt like I didn't want to talk to them during the week because it was just easier to think, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And I'm like, I can't be that bad. Mm. You know, it's like I, I didn't have a really a father growing up and it wasn't because he was so busy. It was just because my parents were divorced. So it was a different circumstance. But it was one of those things where I want to be, you know, a part of their life as much as possible. But there's just so many things that were going through my head at that time. And it's hard because you're trying to progress your career and if that's something that's important to you, you know, that's like the next level and you're like, cool, this is, you know, this is me, you know, leveling up and getting to that next stage and all that kind of thing. But then it's like the price, not only you pay, but your family pays as well for you right. to do that. And is it worth it? And you're trying to find where that line is between kind of, well, I mean, I need to live my life too, but I also want, you know, my kids to be happy and I want to be there with the kids and that kind of thing. That's exactly what I was going to touch on. You know, it's one of the major points that I wanted to bring up as I was thinking about this beforehand was, you know, we're all dads. We're all, we all want to be the best. And my biggest problem was the last, the last five or so years with the kids is I had my priorities not wrong, but they were just, I think they were, they were just mixed up a little bit. They weren't in the right order. So my big thing was, is I was going to work my butt off. And I was going to provide for them. And, you know, my big thing that I always tell people is life isn't like a movie. You can't work your butt off and then all of a sudden it's seen, then it's seen five years later and everybody's happy and stuff like that. You got to live through those five to 10 years that in a movie, it, you, it just fades to black. And it's like 10 years later, everybody's grown up and happy. Well, what happened during those shitty five to 10 years? We got to live it. We're living it right now. It's not necessarily shitty, but there are ups and downs and a lot of times there's more downs and ups. And so you have to find that balance of what's going to make my family money and provide great things for them, but not take me away as a father because you only get so many shots with your kids at these influential ages where you don't want them to think back and be like, Oh yeah, I remember that you were always in your office. Yeah, you weren't really around. It's like, I don't want that. I want them to think of only, you know, good things, great things, or just, other things like that, you know, I want them to be thinking about their childhood, not what wasn't available to them, you know, me or whatever, because I think what my wife and I have talked about over the last couple months and stuff like that, the most is just priorities. You know, you live your life to reach a certain goal or to go after a certain thing. But during that time, you really aren't realizing that you're missing out on all the things right in front of you. So I've really reprioritized my thoughts and just my mind on I sit back and drink in just the big things with my daughters and my wife. I'm not always downstairs trying to grind out something that I know I can get done tomorrow or next week. I, just because I want to be, have it done right away. Well, the person I got done for give two shits half the time. 
They're like, great, but I'm not quite ready for it yet. All right, well, I guess that was worth skipping bedtime and hanging out with my family upstairs. So over the last few months, since I've made this big change, I've, uh, I'm just spending more time upstairs, whether it be just sitting on the couch with them. I'm just asking more questions, having dinner with them, just getting that, that back and forth, you know, you know, rapport there a little bit. Whereas before it was, they felt like they had to come downstairs to my office and it was kind of a, are you available to talk? It's like, they felt like they almost had to book a meeting or like a time with me and it broke my heart when I was doing it, but I was so just out of my mind. I'm just, my mind was so somewhere else that I was like, I'll talk to them later. They, they, we can deal with that later and just discuss it later. And my wife doesn't, my wife is just against me right now. We'll get over this. But at some point you have to actually tackle that and discuss it. And I finally did. And I realized that I was in the wrong in some of the areas. My mind, my heart was in the right place, but I really wasn't doing, wasn't doing us any favors basically. Mm. Well, talk to me just about how you prioritize. Cause you said you change your priorities. It's a big focus of what I do. Um, and how I help other dads and that kind of thing. It's it's really the first step that we talk about um, before yeah. we get into diet and exercise and that kind of stuff, which is all relatively important. But if you don't fix the priority stuff, you know, you'll never change the cycle. And so, just curious if you had a bit of an idea of like how you, well, what what the what what was the shift? So you know, <clears throat> what were the priorities you had, and 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 what kind of order like, and then how did you how did you flip that? Well, do we get into it a little bit right now? Get into it. Do we do we dive in a little bit right now? Yeah, go for it. So, uh, Miles is familiar. You know, you, you're familiar with my situation a little bit. But, you know, over the past five to eight years, my mentality has been hustle, grind, get ahead, just try and make make money, and just you know, we'll live we'll live our our dream life later on once we get through this grind right now and. You know, for the longest time, I did it at any at any cost, literally any cost, whether it be my mind, my body, and my wallet. Um, I recently just got out of uh, like intensive outpatient rehab, where I was hooked on amphetamines and speed and a lot of stuff like that. And it wasn't like I was doing I wasn't doing math and things like that. It was prescription pills that were mine that I abused and took to a whole different level and started abusing the system and then getting them from other people as well. So I was basically taking probably three to four times the, 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 the recommended amount on a daily basis because my body adjusted so much and I just kept wanting more and I kept wanting to keep that level so high that I was just burning my mind out. And I thought I was actually doing good for the longest time, which I probably was. But then my body was like, no, we can't do this anymore. And it just started deteriorating. And, you know, only getting three hours of sleep on average a night for the last three to five years, that's awful. And there would be times where I would do that for weeks and months on end. And then I would crash for three days. And I would just be non-existent in a room. Don't talk to me. I, I'm, I'm sick is what I would say. And I would go through this cycle for months and years and you know it all started when I took my that that new job through two and a half three years ago where I felt like I had to keep this level up to prove who I was at this new company because I was with a previous company that I was with for eight years where I'd already established and proven myself 
I just had to keep my level with them. Well, when I took on a new job, I felt like I had to up that ante a little bit more and dial it up. And I was like, they don't know me. I'm going to make sure they know who I am. And I basically just shot myself in the foot and went way too overboard. And I ended up having to take it back down. And I went back to my old job because it was just too much for the family. It ended up taking a toll on me in less than six months, you know, on the road. I, there was no one to really police me and say, Hey, you need to go to bed. And I was living out of hotels that I was managing and stuff like that. So I was going to bed at five, six in the morning, sleep until eight or nine. Sometimes I would oversleep and it would make me look bad. So I had to kind of get back to that regimen of getting back to on home base. But, you know, I thought when I came back to take that job, take my old job back, I thought it would get better. It actually just got worse because I felt more secure and comfortable that I could actually abuse it more. And I couldn't, it's so hard to go back down when you're addicted to something and, it was one of those things where it, I kept telling myself that I'm doing it for the right reason. And I was just lying to myself and just lying to myself saying, my family is my priority. I'm doing this because I'm trying to stay up all night because I'm actually, I was actually working. I wasn't like just messing around playing video games and, you know, drinking and stuff like that. I never drank. I just popped pills all the time. And I just would be on my computer all the time trying to grind out, you know, my small business, but I was also trying to do reports for something that was due next month. I was managing 20 plus hotel properties while being a GM for another property and a sales manager. So I basically was creating all this chaos myself because in hotels, if somebody finds out you're good at something and you keep doing it, they're going to keep taking until you say, no, I'm done. I can't do anymore. So as long as you keep producing, they're going to be like, yep, bring it, bring it. We're let's let one less person. We have to hire and ask to do that. And so I was almost my own worst enemy in a, in a good way at some point, but then it ended up being a very terrible way. And throughout the last year or so, this last year, 2017 was probably the worst year of my life. It was, it was just, I couldn't get over the hump. And when I did, I was just totally exposed on who I really was, but I was lying to myself and others around me. But other people that I would come in contact with or work with in new jobs or partnerships, they just knew something was off. And I was so used to it. And I think my wife and friends around me were too, that they just, they just thought it was me. They thought it was just the way I acted, but I really was a totally different person. I was, wasn't social, but I was very just, I would go after things, but I wouldn't go out and do social relaxing things. So my priorities were, I would lock myself downstairs wouldn't go out and do anything. Oh, I got to do something. And I just wanted to sit there and just pop some pills and just do all kinds of crazy stuff on the computer and work and knock things out when I thought I was doing good, but I really wasn't doing anything to help my family and my personal life. I was actually hurting it. So that's where I finally, things kind of came to a head this year. And luckily one of my best friends uh, from high school was able to approach me and help kind of give me the situation where he helped give me the help, get me the help that I needed and it was a rough couple months, but I got through it and it really gave me a, a really good time to reflect on who I am and what my priorities are. And once I go over that hump of the addiction and kind of getting over that, I was able to kind of refocus my life. And right now I've spent the last month, month of August and all of September really focusing on the mental aspect. And I'm really looking forward to hitting the ground in October with the physical wellness aspect. Because I didn't want to start, I didn't want to jump in too soon with the wellness and fitness aspect if I wasn't 100% ready to go mentally because I felt that I would have suffered, both of them would have suffered. So once I feel like I, I'm ready to rock and roll and I have my life kind of in order a little bit more, 
I'm really excited to kind of jump back in and start exercising and working out because I have the rest of my life a little bit more in control and I know what's going on. And then I, then I can start working on getting my, my body much healthier now that my mind is getting there too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, uh, yeah, 100% uh, agree with that. It's the, probably the best way to go about it. You got the mind first, the body, you know, yeah. comes come second for sure. So, I'm, yeah, I mean, it's tough looking at myself in the mirror right now because you, you tend to, I feel like a pile of shit. And hey, it turns out I look like one right now, too. You know, I got, the, I got some bitch titties and, you know, stuff like that. But what I keep telling myself is, is I can fix that. You know, that's something that, that's, that's more what's the word I'm looking for, you know, in the mirror, Uh, surface level, it's not surface level. uh, That's more, I wouldn't say superficial, but it's one of those things where that's on the surface that, you know, Hey, you want to look good, feel good. But you know, I've, I've, you know, the first month that I was in treatment and kind of working out the kinks and everything, I got my bike out of storage and got it fixed up. And I taught my five-year-old how to ride a bike in a week. And we went out, we're going on bike rides every night. We're going on walks. I, Miles, I shot, I shot hoops for the first time in eight years. Has it really been eight years? Eight years. So yeah, eight years. And that's, that's a testament, a perfect example of how priorities can really jump out and just run away from me real quick. You know, when I had the daughter and then I happened, I had my first daughter and I took a new job all within like four months of each other. Basketball really just went out the window and that was essentially my fitness and exercise. I was still able to lift weights and, you know, I really needed to keep some energy going. And I almost felt sick the first few months when I wasn't playing every day, you know, exercise, but I slowly just kind of got out of it. And, you know, it slowly went away where I was like, all right, a couple times a week. And then it was like, all right, I gotta get, I gotta even treadmill and do something. And then after a while it was like, I just don't have time. I'm okay with it. Are you okay with it? Yeah, buddy, I'm okay with it. And it's just one of those things where then you find yourself kind of hard it's kind of hard to get back into it and you just don't know where or when because everybody hates that grind right out the gate basically the new year's grind when you feel like shit you look like shit and it's going to take that first couple months to kind of get through it to start seeing some results and feeling results there's going to be that first month or so of man i just i don't feel like i'm getting anything out of this and i just feel worse than i actually do you can relate to this miles of basketball basketball in high school practice talking about practice talking about but it's not the game not the game we're talking about practice we're talking about practice coach (laughs) but it's one of those where the first couple weeks you're like god i feel like shit but then you go and play in a game or you go play with some friends outside of there and you're like i got all this energy and i haven't you know they're dying right now and i'm like we're really doing anything right now and it's one of those where it just kind of becomes second nature and you're like this is awesome that's kind of what i want to get back to with life because you know, with working out, my wife tells us all the time because she's a personal trainer and she knows these things. But when it's coming out of someone you will live with and love and you're around all the time, it kind of becomes wah, 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 wah. You know, when they start telling you stuff over and over again. So being a part of this group and learning, you know, listening, just seeing everybody's story, but then also putting it into play, you know, the whole thing about if you work out, it's going to make you feel better, not just, you know, physically but mentally it's going to help you those endorphins it's going to help you on so many different levels that's the excitement that i think people tend to forget about is it is going to help you it's going to help you give that extra energy and some people that aren't familiar with they're going to be like sounds like it's just going to make me more tired well it's 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 a give and take you know you are going to be tired for a little while but it's essentially it's going to help you in the long run and that's one of the big things i miss because i'd always go in those big waves of 
work out, do a lot of good stuff, and then something would come up. Kids. Damn kids. Damn you know, kids. Damn kids. So, yeah, so now I'm just like, all right, you hop on one arm, and I'll just start <laughs> bench pressing you, you know. Well, then they fall on your face, and you're like, all right, well, that, that sucks. I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> or they jump on you if you haven't worked out in a few months, and they jump on you, and you pull a hammy or, you know, <laughs> something like that. And you're like, all right, well, what happened? Well, my five-year-old jumped on my leg as I was running the opposite direction. You know, those are that, that's that's dad life right there. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So, so hey, if we just walk back to the you know the I want to talk through the addiction stuff a little bit. Um, what was yeah. it like? So the talking, you know, your your did your wife did she know then? Like, at what point did she know? And then I guess you know when did you tell the kids or or, or not, not when did you tell them? But like, how do they? What's their perception of the whole situation? I guess. So it was a very awkward situation that I knew was going to be coming sooner or later. And I felt the walls closing in on me. And it was one of those things where I was like, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm going to start, you know, tapering off and stuff like that. Well, I would just get sick. I mean, I was flu like sick in bed, like felt like I had just body aches and like the flu and I was down and out. And I was like, it was, I was dope sick is what it was essentially. And I was like, is this really happening to me? Like I'm not a drug addict, but in one way or another I was because I'm an addict because I've had alcohol issues and stuff like that, where I just really choose not to drink. Ironically enough, our high school graduation, the, the reunion, that's the first time I drank in six months. That's the last time I've drank. So basically I've drank once and probably almost, I'd say eight to 10 months. And it's just one of those things where, when you go big, when you go, you go big, you know, and then you just like, man, I'm an, I'm an idiot. So, but the whole addiction process, my wife was oblivious. She knew I had some issues. She knew I had some dependency problems. She knew I was somewhat abusing. She had caught me a couple times, whether it be text messages, phone calls, she would look at things or money would, you know, certain amount of money would be gone out of our account and things like that. Or I'd be very defensive. Um, and then I would, kind of get her I get her off my scent for a while and God bless her heart she was just so naive about it and she feels really dumb to this day still about it and I feel bad about it but she really didn't know the validity and the magnitude of it even when you were when you guys were in town when it happened in this August she just knew that there was an issue I finally told her about a couple weeks after that after I was already a few weeks into treatment and I was talking more about it just the magnitude and she was just blown away she thought it was an issue of just taking a little bit more kind of abusing a little bit. She had no idea that it was taking four to five times more than what I should have been. And she just said, no, she's like, how do you do that? What's the mentality? And it's like, when you're driven, whether it be good, bad, or in between, you'll do anything. And so you'll do anything to make sure that you keep that drive going. And so I think the big thing to tell everybody out there is that if you can keep that drive going in the right direction for the right things, do it. You just have to make sure that your needle is pointed in the right direction. Make sure there's somebody there to keep, keep you in the right direction because any of us can easily fall off that path and just go down the wrong, the wrong path. You know, as stupid as that sounds and cliche, it is one of those things where you do need somebody next to you, whether it be a best friend, you know, a husband or a wife or whoever that can kind of watch out for you and be like, you know what, I don't think, I don't like really what's going on with you right now. And sometimes it takes somebody outside of your everyday circle somebody that can actually get an outsider's perspective. And for me, it was, you know, Jeff John, you know, one of my best friends. And he's always been a part of my life since I was 10 years old. And he just, 
I would tell him anything. And I happened to tell him that after I'd had a few drinks at the reunion the next day, he didn't forget about it. He didn't take it as a, uh, he was just drunk telling me stuff. I literally broke down and told him some things. The next morning he was there saying, let's get your ass up. Let's go. And it was one of those, I didn't fight it. I knew it needed to be done. And the fact that he took the time to come do it, I was very appreciative. And when it happened, I was embarrassed, but everybody kind of knew I was, my parents knew I was kind of battling with stuff off and on. But the hardest thing was telling my girls about it. Just telling my kids that, you know, you know, daddy's sick. And we didn't really go into a lot of detail about what it was, but I go, you know, daddy, I I don't think I could have done the inpatient the whole time because it just would have, it would have been too much for everything, whether it be from a work standpoint, from a family standpoint, you know, I can see some people that have really bad addiction problems, not to say mine wasn't, but like it's life or death. They need to go in there and get that really big treatment. But for me, it was, you're making poor decisions. Here's your ultimatum. Go do it. I'm in. So I'd go three, I'd go four days a week, five days a week for three hours a night. So I'd go for a full work day. I go straight there till eight or nine o'clock at night. I'd be home by eight or eight 30, I guess, just in time to lay down with both my girls, talk to them for a little bit, tell them how my day was, ask how their day was, and then have a really good conversation with my wife. when I, after that too, where I would, I was so open and my wife was so happy that sometimes it just takes somebody to be able to an outsider, like a group like this to talk to people and just get the juices flowing. And once I did that, it really helped out. And one of the things that my kids got me and my wife got me the first day that I got back was one of these guys, just a journal. It's just a simple journal, nothing crazy, nothing cute. But, you know, I was a marketing and communications major, but I was also an English major. A lot of people don't know about. Um, And I like to write, I can write really well. I can kind of paint stories. And so my wife was like, you know, you write really well, you're able to explain yourself. And so I wrote down my feelings, my journey, my mental state every day for the first like 45 to 50 days. And two weeks into it, I went out for lunch with my mom. And this was one of the biggest things I haven't cried in probably eight years. And I read two journal entries to my mom and I couldn't even get like the five sentences in I was, I was a friggin' mess and it was because I could feel her just the impact of everything and how she was just blown away by how I was able to express myself and I was expressing myself, but I was also apologizing and just kind of basically saying, you know, I appreciate everything you've done. Thank you. I'm sorry. And I've learned so much and let's move forward from this, but I'm not, I'm never going to forget this also. And so it's been a very interesting, uh, couple months uh but 69 days clean and sober congratulations brother yeah i'm super happy about that it's it's been one of those things where you know every day is a every day is a battle oh god every day sucks actually at some point or another um but just being able to take that extra breath you know the first couple weeks were just awful but once i got over the hump a little bit was able to take a breath I don't know. I mean, there was days where I was ready to just take a nap, but I couldn't, you know, I just, I always just have pictures of my kids and my family being like, you can't, you can't fuck this up. You know, everybody's been here to help you. Don't leave it up to you to just be like, I quit and then just fuck everything up and start all over again, because that's the worst thing you can do for myself. Cause I could see myself falling back into the problems again. And I could see myself just 
burying myself again. I mean, last year I buried myself about six, eight months. I didn't do anything. I didn't, I uh, was doing my marketing business, but I was basically, I didn't know what I wanted to do for a career. And I was home. I didn't leave my house for probably six months. I mean, I drove my kids to school and daycare, but that was it. I didn't interact with anybody because I didn't have an outside job. I just was working in my house and being just a hermit. And it was really depressing. And I saw myself and my wife saw myself and it was like, what happened to you? You used to be social butterfly. You were ambassador of the year for the city of Iowa City. You had the hotel of the year, you know, three years in a row for this, you know, Choice Hotels International and, you know, employee of the year and all this stuff. And it was like, you just kind of pissed it away. Like you almost got bored with life or you challenge yourself to a certain point and then you realize that you just didn't know which direction to go. So you decided to go no direction. You decided to go backwards. That was awful. Oh, look, sometimes it's good to actually take a step back and hit, hit neutral for a bit. But yeah, I think yeah. obviously the challenge I assume for you is that your coping mechanism for the longest time yes. has been obviously, well, if I'm not dealing, then I just take, you know, some of the medication stuff and then it pumps me back up and then I'm going again. And that now that that isn't there. So it's like this hole. And how do you fill that hole that you haven't had to then um, emotionally work through. And so then, you know, then you got to now spend a lot of extra emotion trying yeah. to figure out what your new coping mechanism that's healthy is for you. It scares the shit out of me every day, every day I wake up and I, it scares the living shit out of me that I used to be able to, if I'm having a rough day, I would just pop a couple extra pills and just hunker down and be like, I can get through this day. Cause I'll just focus on my work and just go nuts. Whereas now my mind is, kind of still jello a little bit i'm just like i don't know what to do and i get a little frustrated because i'm i'm so much more in the moment now that i can i'm actually thinking about reality whereas i used to be able to just push it out and be like whatever i'm just gonna i'm just gonna work whereas now i'm actually thinking in the moment i'm actually like you know everything's real you know i actually got to deal with all my stuff in person and it gets a little scary at times but i wouldn't trade it for the world because i'm going through it with the best person in the world, my wife are there and they love everything that I'm every part of me now because I'm there. I'm interactive. You know, we were driving down to the Iowa game on Saturday and my youngest was, she's five now. And she's like, ah, oh, this is the best day ever. And I was like, why is that? And my wife goes, why is that Molly? And she's like, because we're all together so often now. And it's so much fun. Dad used to not be around very much. He used to never want to go with us anywhere. I was like, oh, it, it hurt me. But at the same point, I was like, yeah, you know, moving forward, making making steps, you know, taking good steps forward. But God, it just, it hurts me to think about the past so much because I'm a big picture guy. And I look back at the, at the past and I'm just like, I thought those were good times. But in the back of my head, I'm like, man, I was just, I was a mess, you know, and God knows what was going through their heads. But I can't think that way anymore. I got to think about what we're doing, what we're planning how happy I can make my family and what we can plan for the future as a family together, not just me doing my thing because I, that was, I hate to ramble so much, but that was one of my biggest things when I was a kid is, you know, I was an only child and it's always been just me. It's been me against the world. My family was young. My mom was 16 when she had me. Um, my dad was 18. They tried being together for a couple, like a year and a half. Then they broke up. We lived with my, my mom's parents for a couple of years and then my mom got remarried, but I was an only child until I was 16. So I had my own space, my own bubble. My parents were 20 years, you know, in their twenties when I was in junior high 
in high school, they were in the early 30s. I mean, good Lord. Can you imagine having a, a senior in high school right now? <laughs> yes, <laughs> or, a, oh, can you imagine yes, having a sophomore in college right now? No, my, mom no, was a, no. my mom was a sophomore in college, right? Or I was a sophomore in college right now. At this age, my mom would be. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Oh, I remember because I, I think I've slept over your house a couple nights for during basketball season or whatever. Yeah. And then I'm, I just remember, I mean, we were fairly young. And, you know, when you're that young, you don't really have a full grasp of everything. But I remember going, God, OT's mom is really young. But, <laughs> yeah. but I just couldn't, I know I didn't think about it much. I couldn't work it out. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it goes to that, but then it also goes to young parents. And this is a great example to how people parent differently you know we can all relate back to the 80s <laughs> and how you know parenting if you look back at parenting back then you're like jesus my parents should have been locked up <laughs> you know i was eight years old living out in the country they wake me up in the morning being like in the summertime they wake up and be like hey i'm like yeah and i rolled over i was eight years old they're like all right uh we're, go we're, we're going to work I'm like uh, okay and they're like, pizza rolls are in the freezer, floor 25 for 12 minutes. Don't burn the fucking house down. <laughs> and it's one of those things that I'm like, holy shit, if my daughter was at home right now by herself for more than an hour, uh, first of all, I'd be locked up. Second of all, our house would be smoldering to this point because it's just one of those things where there wasn't as much accountability or I guess I don't say accountability, but you know, life was so much more real back then where people had to live their lives. I mean, my parents, my mom, my stepdad, my real dad, they were, you know, 25, 26, 27 years old, just trying to get their career started. Daycare, you know, I went to daycare every once in a while after school, but during the summer, once I proved to them that I could wipe my own ass and feed myself, they're like, all right, you're on your own kid. And that goes all the way up through the years where even when, you know, when I lived out, when you stayed out of my house and stuff, remember I had the whole basement to myself. It was basically a studio apartment. I had TVs, couches, waterbed, what's up? <laughs> uh, and just a, a walkout basement, all that stuff. And it was like, I kind of lived my own life. And when I got to the age of being able to drive, it was, I just kind of came and went as my own. And I was my own person. I never borrowed money from them ever, paid for my own college, my, my, uh, I guess my undergrad was paid for by basketball, but when I went to Iowa, I just paid for myself. And then the perfect example to that now is this new day and age parent. I have a half sister, my stepdad and my mom had her when I was 15 or 16. So she's now just 22. She can't, she still can't live by herself on her own. She couldn't stay by herself when she was 18 years old or 16 years old. She would freak out. She had to come stay at our house, like my wife and I's because she just was, it was so overbearing. So that goes back to parenting 101 right there where everybody kind of has their own parenting skills. But I guess sometimes you're a product of how you were brought up and it could be good, bad, or in between. You know, I was very independent, which really suited me well because I, I reached out and met so many more people. It really helped me socialize and get to know so many different types of people. I was able to learn new things. My sister to this day probably has a handful of friends and just couldn't really function in society very well because she just didn't have that other social filter. And so that goes really back to just, that wouldn't say it's a, it's a problem of how, you know, parents raise them. It's just, you can see the different characteristics and traits of how they were brought up. Absolutely. And so it just, it just goes back to, all right, I got to make sure that I'm teaching my kids 
teaching my kids how to fend for themselves, but I'm not throwing them out to the wolves by themselves. Mm. You want them to learn things, but you don't want them to, you know, cut their hand off by accident. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can, I, uh, it's like relieving to hear you talk about the 80s and growing up. And it's like, uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know how it is in Australia, so I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I don't know what it was like in the 80s here either. So that's, that's all right. But yeah. uh, for me, my, my and my wife's situations were very different growing up um, where I was, yeah. yeah, it was like very, very much like you, like I'm only child as well. So it was, you know, in the summertime, like my parents had to work, they don't have the money to, you know, put me in daycare or, you know, ship me off to somewhere to for summer camp for all summer you know something like that so it was like okay well you're home by yourself so you know figure it out kind of thing <laughs> um i mean outside of a couple like you know you get freaked out you think something's under your bed or you know something random like that outside right. of that like it was it was a very good experience and then one of my earliest memories was is um happiest memories that i because I, I don't remember my childhood like when i was very small one of my happiest memories is when i first uh for a summer looked after myself and then at the end of the summer, my parents gave me fifty dollars in one dollar bills and a pile of money on the floor. Um, Make it rain! Yeah, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is the best moment of my life. So yeah, so it's rewarding for looking after yourself. Um, you know, getting rewarded with financially with that. And I bought a Sega game with that fifty dollars. I bought nice. Rostan or some ridiculous thing. That I was like, love and just the best. Anyways, so um, I can very much relate to that. And then as I grew up, I was like very independent my senior year in high school my mom had no curfew for me she was just like oh yeah you know it's your own thing and i'm like cool i'm partying like crazy watch out so, you know it was uh yeah I grew, up, grew up young kind of thing like i just grew up very quickly but uh, i'm very independent to this day and um yeah very thankful for that's you know that's just the way it was you know it, and it's a, it's a great point because my wife and i to this day we still we still have conversations we still kind of butt heads about parenting because she grew up in a catholic family in Dubuque where family is just always in the room. I mean, it's like everybody loves Raymond except worse. <laughs> I wouldn't say worse because I can, I can stand, I love her family to death. And that's one of the reasons that I think attracted me to her so much more was because she had that family lifestyle that I didn't have. And, and in some ways I craved because they were so supportive. They were hands-on. They asked so many questions. They cared so much and that's not to say that my parents didn't care they just if i wasn't totally plugged in with them they didn't necessarily peel back the layers and try and like dig in they my mom would get frustrated like me sometimes my stepdad or i mean my real dad i i don't i don't we weren't around i visited him every other weekend until i became about 16 or 15 or 16 and then it was just every once in a while and i haven't seen my step i haven't seen my real dad in Oh, almost seven years. So I saw him at a funeral and that's it. We just kind of choose to live our own lives. But it's one of those things where that's, I hate to jump off topic, but talk to my dad. It's one of those things to be a dedicated and to be, to a be their dad, you have to be there and you have to give a shit. And that's not just when they're young kids. My dad, you know, my dad's 50 some years old and Whatever it is, I don't know what the math is, close to 60, I guess. Now, I don't know how old it is. That's how sad our relationship is right now. But for him to actually, for me to actually, I'm stubborn as shit, but maybe he needs to make a phone call or drive over here and be like, you know, what's going on? But for him to be as clueless as he is and just be like, well, I guess he doesn't want to talk, so I guess we just won't talk for six years. You know, I, I'm stubborn as shit too, but he is also, at some point, one of us needs to just kind of be that guy. And I guess... Now that I'm saying it, maybe I need to be that guy. 
But on the other hand, I'm like, my life is just fine without him. Mm -hmm. And I have, I have a dad that's there for me. And that's my stepdad. And he's, he's 10 miles down the road. He stops by the house every few days and sees the girls and checks in on me ever since I've kind of had these issues and been going through treatment therapy. He'll call and check in. He'll ask if I want to go do something or just kind of see how things are going. And he was never that way when I was a kid. He was a, he was a man's man. He was a hunter. He was, you know, I was a stepchild. I was his, you know, his stepchild, which we got along well, but I would just never jive too much. He was the hunter. He wasn't a big sports guy, but now that we're older, we can relate to a lot of things. I like to build things. I, we, we can relate to just different things that we like to work on things like that. We find, we find ways to get along and, and, and converse with different things. You know, he, he'll find ways to, you know, hang out or go do something or just shoot the shit, which I think that's a big thing is to be there, be in the moment, ask questions. And, but back to my wife, I'm sorry, back to my wife and stuff. It was just one of those things where they're not necessarily overbearing and overwhelming. They're just there. And I always find it so weird that every time my wife walks in the door, she's always on the phone, but it was, she, but the funny thing was, is that she was always talking to her parents on her way home from work. It was a call to check in just checking to see how their day was, you know, and she'll walk in and she'll say hi to us. And then she'd get off the phone and talk to us. It was her routine. And it was one of those things that I think is a big thing for parents. If you can establish some sort of a routine with your, ch with your children, whether it be just, you know, call us every once in a while. Um, I think it's a really big deal. And one last point is my stepdad. It, it seemed like the weirdest thing when I was a kid, but every Sunday for the last 40 years, from even before I knew him, it's been going on. My mom told me this. So it's been 30 some plus years. Every Sunday at seven o'clock on the dot, his father calls him. And I thought it was the weirdest thing ever when I was a kid. I think it's the fucking coolest thing ever now. I think it's just, I think it's just awesome. He, and he calls on landline too, which is even cooler. <laughs> Do those so, things still exist? Uh, you know, my parents' house it does. It's it's considered their fax line, and also and also my stepdad's dad's call in line. Basically, that's all it is. But it's one of those things that it's just it was so weird. But now, if I'm ever out there, or if I'm on the phone with my mom, or just talking to her, or something, I hear the phone ring. It's like, oh god, yeah, seven o'clock Sunday. It's his dad calling. His dad's ninety two years old and still calls every Sunday at seven p.m. I think it's awesome. Yeah, man, that's good. And like you said, you're just establishing, you know, if you can establish those relationships and those routines and whatever that thing is now, yeah. how that can echo into the future for, you know, decades yeah. kind of thing. And, you know, again, being there is so important, um, but you, you also want to be able to make sure it's a value and not just sitting in the room kind of thing and that, you know, you're having those conversations. Yeah. So they feel, and you don't want it to, yeah. And you don't want it to be a burden where you're like, Oh God, I gotta, I gotta call you know, I got to call her shit. I got to call, you know, it's got, it's one of those things where it could be as simple as a two minute conversation, you know, but one thing I think is funny is they could spend the weekend. We could spend the weekend back home with them. And sometimes he would still call just to kind of get an update on something. And then other times you wouldn't because, Hey, we just saw you all weekend. But the one thing that I liked a lot was with Jenny, my wife and her parents is it's never, a lot of times it's just, Hey, did you see this? You know, that could be a simple email or text message, but, you know, screw that. Let, you know, let's, I'm sorry, you know, let's stay old school. Let's, let's keep it real and do what we do best and talk on the phone because that's the way that we communicate the best and the way that we, we've always done it. And, you know, if, if we feel comfortable doing that, that's fine. But 
I think a good point is, is we all need to get back to talking in person, at least on the phone to start with and in person as much as possible. I mean, I used to make fun and, and say that, you know, this social media age is killing us. And I'm convinced that it is now because I fell into that rut, that big rut the last couple of years. And I'm slowly digging myself out of it now where I'm not forcing myself, but I'm trying to make at least 10 to 15 calls or at least stop into an account that I have or a client and just talk to them face to face because it really goes far. They really do like it. Sometimes you're like, whoa, uh, there's somebody in person here. I should probably put pants on. No, <laughs> but it's just one of those things where there's simple steps like that, that just make everybody's life a lot easier. And I think a lot more enjoyable, you know, you could, you know, with kids this day and age, it's so easy for them to get wrapped up in their iPads and for you to be like, you know, they're, they're learning, they're doing their thing, but there needs to be a time frame where you're like, all right, let's put that down. Let's just talk. Let's go outside. You know, let's, let's go play catch. Let's, let's go back. Let's go back eighties and nineties style for God's sakes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. No, yeah. that's great. And you know, it's great that you've been able to share the story. Really appreciate you coming on and being brave about, you know, um, your you know, history because it's not always an easy thing to reveal something like that. I guess that that's known to your small, you know, your group, but also to then say this kind of things out in the open is, is uh, great. And I'm sure it'll help out other dads in there. So what's, what's next, what's next for you? Next is just, you know, trying to take that next step of just getting fit. Now, you know, the mental aspect, like I said before, was the big thing. Now the next step is I'm going to start doing a step-by-step workout regiments where it's going to be goals, but it's not going to be these outrageous goals. It's going to be these small baby steps of, first of all, how do I feel? It's not going to be this, how do I look thing? It's going to be how I feel and what's helping me out the most and why. And then sharing the journey is the biggest thing because, you know, my, my journey going back to what you said before and sharing with, you know, yeah, mine might be a little more specific to, I dealt with, you know, drugs or just, you know, some addiction type stuff like that. I think anybody can relate to any of our stories in one way or another. It doesn't necessarily have to be as addicted to something. It could just be, Hey, my time frames and my prioritizations are all screwed up. I need to take a step back and kind of hit the reset button. And how would I do that? So sometimes it's as simple as you need to, you need to lay out, you know, basically your day. I'm like, all right, what am I doing from here to here and here? I need to make sure that this, at this time I'm doing this much for myself and my family, whether it be working out or we're going to have, we're going to have dinner together. Some nights it's not really possible. I mean, we, we all have busy lives. Our kids have schedules, but the nights that we do have at home together, we should be trying to sit down face to face, eye to eye, TV off, just getting to know each other. Because there are times where I'm like, holy shit, you know, my, my kids are pretty awesome. And I, and I always knew that, but it's like, God, where did the time go? Like, she's like a totally different person. And then you're like, how did I miss that? And then sometimes you feel a little bad about it. You're really proud, but sometimes you're like, wow. Did I just miss something? But then you're like, all right, I got to drink all this in and I got I to make sure I don't miss anything else. That's so. amazing, dude. Yeah, well, keep keep drinking it in. Uh, it's great to see you're doing so well. And uh, especially because yeah. I was uh, able to be there during the time that, you know, it was all kind of coming out as well back in the back in Iowa as well. So it's just been good to, to kind of see your journey along the way. And yeah, keep moving forward. I really appreciate you. Really appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate the time. I appreciate you allowing me to kind of open up a little bit because, you know, I've only opened up to probably three or four people and to take this jump is, it's a big jump, but it's one of those that I have nothing to hide. And my biggest thing is uh, I'm more, I'm more, 
focus on helping myself, but also helping others because I feel like I'm in that position. I think the biggest thing for everyone, including myself, is practice what you preach. You know, I can sit here and tell you all these cliches and lists and things and cool stuff, but to turn around and not do it, it's just hypocritical. So practicing what you preach, I think you're the number one example of that. You practice what you preach. You're not one of these people that posts all of these glamorous things and then just kind of does whatever. You, you keep it real. It's not always sexy, and that's what, that's what we all like about it because it's real life. And that's what everybody needs to understand is like, it's not this Instagram-tastic world that we all live in with filters and, and all these cool, you know, cash money crap and bling and all that stuff. It's like, it's real life. It's dirty diapers, armpits, and, and all kinds of other crap, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, are you, hey, are you trying to say I'm not sexy? Is that what's going on here right now? I think you're damn sexy, <laughs> but it's one of those things that you wrote, you, you've posted many times that you're like, it's not, you're like, I may not be the shredded sculpture as person that people depict as this healthy end all be all person, but you are, you were, you said I'm the healthiest that I've ever been and the strongest I've ever been in more ways than one. I think that should always outweigh what you look like because in the years past, I may have been 20, 25 pounds lighter and had a little bit of a six pack and felt good of myself. But I was because I was basically killing myself on the inside. I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't sleeping. I was depriving my body of certain things that were ultimately just kind of eating itself from the inside out. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good, good note to finish on is that, you know, it's not always about how you look. It's really about how you feel first. And yeah. then, it's, then you can do the physical stuff afterwards, but you want to feel good first. And that's, yeah. you know, what you're, what you're at the, where you're at at the moment. So that's great. All right, man. Uh, thanks for coming on again. All right, buddy. Good seeing you. Thank you. I appreciate it. this week's episode of the Be Their Dad Show. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.